With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 87th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a ridiculous show. EJ and I are talking about the best and worst of Seth Rogen. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo, and I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. EJ, best of the bay, final week, final push. Final week, final push. I can't wait. I'm really trying to win this thing. Like, I don't know if I've invented enough emails to, like, keep voting for myself. Whoa, which whoa, I don't whoa. think is against... That's not against the rules. I want to be the best in the Bay. You know who thinks I'm the best in the Bay? Me. I think <laughs> it the most out of probably everyone else. But no, I, I definitely think we've been pushing it awesome on social media and people kind of know about it. So I'm really uh, happy. I can't wait to see last week, home stretch. Come on, people, keep voting for us. All you have to do is go to Creative Loafing Tampa, click on Best of the Bay, and we are in what section again? Uh, we're in People, Places, and Politics, and it's like halfway down, Best Local Podcast, Monkeys Fighting Robots. There's also people like Matt Sardo, who's in like Most Interesting People to Follow on Twitter, you know, other things like that. But you got Dewey, to- Dewey's uh, in the blogger category, so is Felix, both of our movie reviewers. Next year, maybe you might be in that blogger category. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even try to like kind of push it this year because I felt like I was too much of a newbie. But next year, next year, I'll be ready to take that from everybody. All you have to do, guys, go to Creative Loafing, click on Best of the Bay, vote for us. Boom. If we win, I mean, we'll definitely throw a party. We'll do something. We got to celebrate somehow. Oh, we're going to celebrate like kings. It's going to be awesome if we win. <laughs> And speaking of winners, now is time for the Winnipeg weather report for our super fan Chad. I I I love Manitoba and Winnipeg so much because Sunday is going to be seventy nine and partly cloudy. And if I was in Manitoba, I would be going to the Dragonfly Festival this Sunday at the Oak Hammock Marsh. What does any of that mean? Once again, always so confused of what's going on in Manitoba. Is there actual dragonflies? Are they just buzzing around us? What's going on? First, you have to ask me, what is the address of Oak Hammock Marsh? What is the address of Oak Hammock Marsh? It is one Snow Goose Bay. Canada. (laughs) I love that place so much. They're they're amazing, which is so funny because we're talking about an awesome Canadian today as well. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a really Canadian show. The Dragonfly Festival. 
Join us for the Dragonfly Safari. Make some dragonfly art. Catch a dragonfly nymph from the marsh and learn all about the many species we have in Manitoba. Wow, I didn't know Manitoba was like known for being like dragonfly capital of the world. Awesome. Every week I just learned something awesome about a random place in Canada that I really didn't know about before. Thank you, Chad, for being a super fan. And I, I kind of don't want anyone to dethrone him because I keep wanting to learn about Manitoba. <laughs> if you want to dethrone Chad, all you have to do is go to our podcast and comment on it. It's very simple. Our podcast is on our website. You can comment in that section. You can go to SoundCloud and click on the part of the podcast that you want to comment on, and you leave a comment there. We also have Facebook and Twitter. You have four different ways to become a super fan, and all you have to do is leave a comment on our podcast. Thank you, Chad, for being the super fan of the week. Sausage Party comes out this week, and EJ went to the Sausage Fest last night with Dewey. And you're you're giggling Dixie this morning. Well, usually when it's involving me going to a sausage fest the night before, I'm usually giggling. Ha ha. Yay, gay joke. But no, it it because it was a great movie. I honestly Wait, cannot... okay, let's go back to Sausage Fest. Sausage Fest is not a gay joke. It's usually no, it, it's just a whole a bunch joke. of hetero dudes go to a party and it's all bros. That's a sausage fest. So it's more of a, I I want to take the hetero, I want to take that back. You can't take all the gay jokes and make, you know, you can't take all the hetero jokes and make them gay. That's can't do that. Yeah, but can you imagine how awesome a gay person would be at a sausage fest with all bros? Come on. Like, you you straight people can reclaim it, but the gay people will always love sausage. Ah, <laughs> uh, And I'm, I'm already in Canada and Manitoba, and I, I want to immediately go to Wisconsin, and I'm like... I really like bratwurst, and EJ is ruining my bratwurst for me this morning. You know what? I don't even think there was a bratwurst in the movie because they had everything in Sausage Party. Like, the main villain is a douche. Literally, a douche is the <laughs> villain of this movie. Like, I, I just, I'm so, I'm so giggly because it's, it was so funny and it was so smart and it was exactly what i needed and i loved going to it i'm so happy that they also gave out free beer and wine before because smart move if people didn't like it they were going to be giggling through their uh their beer anyway so let's talk about the film you you enjoyed the film i was trying to understand the premise of the film because i understand what's going on that they're going to eat and they need to survive. They need to warn other people. And all that. But I'm like, okay, where does it go from there? Like once you start. Okay. Yeah. 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 The actual plot's pretty cool. So they think the gross beyond the grocery store is basically heaven. Once they get picked up by the gods, which is what they call humans, they go to the great beyond. So it was really cool to see this whole, this religion metaphor, which is kind of the biggest, I think, theme they talked about was blindly following religion because they really believe they, you know, they uh, that once they leave, they're going to go to this great beyond and have a great life. And uh, this little jar of honey mustard gets returned because they actually wanted mustard. And that honey mustard gets to tell the rest of the grocery store the horror stories of what happens outside of the world. So it's very interesting to see the food and the people were live in the same universe. It's very Toy Story like. It's it's Toy Story with food, and not to, you know to put it down, but that's the easiest way to describe it. But what happens? That's my because I understand that they we you see in the trailer they get picked up, and then you see the horrors start to unfold, and then Seth Rogen's character 
goes into this like I don't I don't know. He goes on a mission to do something, and I'm like, well, okay, what happens? Well, he he has a uh, in his package. He's with all the other hot dogs, and in the package right next to them is a bunch of buns. And so he has this love relationship with one of the buns, and they get out of their packaging because they have to just see each other one last time, kind of thing. You know, just it, it's it's cute. They really build it as a relationship, but they're really just being sold together. It's cute, haha. I got it. But uh, so he gets. Uh, he gets taken out of the package. The rest of his friends get sold and go. So there's like these two stories going on with the 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 sausages in the package trying to escape getting eaten by this crazy guy who's on bath salts. Which yes, bath salts <laughs> are a plot point in this movie. It is hilarious. But uh, yeah, and then the other part is him kind of trying to figure out his place in the world. Seth Rogen's character blindly follows these gods that they they think are the humans, and then. Once this honey mustard comes back and is like, no, they eat us. They kill us. Like, do not go out there. He, His whole world shattered. So it's really cool to see this discovery through religion, but this giant raunchy fest of sausage. And when you talk about the jokes, the jokes hit where they needed to go. And, and did you get bored at a certain time because there were so many dick and fart jokes coming at you? No, I think what helped with the to not get bored was the the actual story and a lot of the messages and it, it was there were so many puns which i knew there was going to be but there was just the right amount of puns like meatloaf makes a cameo do you know what meatloaf is in the movie meatloaf it's genius like they did really really fun stuff like that and i think they kind of kept me entertained the entire time and the jokes didn't really get stale there was a there's there's a lot of musical numbers, which I think kind of fits the parody of Disney DreamWorks. I kind of liked the first one that they did at the beginning, and I think they did another one. Didn't really like it as much, but yeah, I actually was pretty entertained throughout, which is really hard to do for this kind of style of raunchy movie and an animated film. Were there any kids in the screening? Oh, there was kids. Now, Pete's Dragon was playing across the uh, the press screening for that was across the hall, and I was just hoping that someone would get mixed up and send everyone from Pete's Dragon to Sausage Party and just shatter some dreams. But nothing like that happened. But though there was a couple of people who brought their kids in there, and they warned them before that this is not this is an R-rated movie, but this is a I don't know how they got away with what they did in this movie. I'm a fan of like. X-rated NC-17 films. This is a good NC-17. There's a food orgy for about five to ten minutes of just foods having sex with each other. And there's kids in the theater. I don't know if their eyes were covered or if they end up having to leave. But yeah, it it was pretty funny to see some in there at first. The staff warned them that it was an R-rated movie. Yeah, um, uh, the people who you know who do the press screenings let them know with their kid. They're like, look, we're letting you know. This is an R-rated film. You are allowed to bring your kid in here, but letting you know, this is a hard R, not some, like a light kind of, because there's, there's been adult-ish animated films before, but never something like this. And I, yeah, it was funny to see them kind of be like, hey, we're letting you know, because I was even kind of shocked. I'm not hard to shock with movies, but 
there was some gross stuff. And even like, not even sexually, there was a lot of graphic violence and gore. There's a piece of pizza who gets half bitten and he's like dragging like it, like he's lost his legs in a war. And there's like this epic like uh, Save a Private Ryan homage where everyone's dying and there's just like blood splattering and ketchup and wine. And I'm just like, there's like three or four kids in this theater. How, how, how is this happening? How do they get this past the MPAA? I, I loved it, man. I loved it because I'm so surprised by it. Do you think this will get like national appeal? I really don't know because these these kind of movies are hard. Uh, I, I haven't really seen something like an American – maybe Hangover has been like the raunchiest thing since like an American Pie or even like Porky's before that where it needs to be that like offensive movie that everyone loves it because it's a good comedy. Even not another teen movie and scary movie. But so I, I really think this can kind of transcend just raunchy comedy to like pop culture phenomenon if it's viewed in like critically and if – you know, if the critics – let's – this has been the theme of the summer. If the critics are nice, we might actually get some really good popularity out of this. Did you get any feedback from anybody at the theater while you were there? Yo, actually, I talked to one of the critics right after I looked over to him, and I was just like, so, hey, man, what'd you think? And he goes, I kind of expected it to be a little funnier because it was kind of dark at times. Like, one of the big jokes is the Israeli-Palestine conflict because there's a uh, a bagel and I think a falafel, you know, one of those, like flaky kind of things and it was just really funny to see some really like dark kind of subject matter be sprinkled in throughout this and so yeah it was really funny to see that uh that, that well, one critic was just like yeah that wasn't as like joke heavy as i thought it was going to be and even my favorite reaction was seeing dewey laugh out loud multiple times during this like i chuckled a lot like the theater chuckled and even we got kind of stone-faced dewey to like physically just kind of just break down and laugh really really hard and i loved seeing that because that's what i think a movie should like this to do even the most stern critic should be just rolling in the seat and they did it now i'm gonna have to see this movie because i am not a fan of seth rogan i there's something about his face that I just don't like. I like him. I like his voice. I like his voice acting that he's done in animated films. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to go see it. And this kind of leads into our other topic of the show is we want to talk about the best and worst of Seth Rogen. He's been doing this for a long time now. I When we started researching him and all his work now like he is definitely he's not a very old person to begin with but he's been doing this for 17 plus years now and the guy is only what 34 yeah he he's not that old and he's been he's been doing this for a good amount of time but he's done the he's done it the right way he's kind of started slow and he's built his way up from like really nice supporting roles on like tv and then moving to movies like i remember seeing him way back in donnie darko as like the douchebag bully in that movie and i'm like you know watching it years later on i'm like oh my god that's seth rogan i didn't know seth rogan was in donnie darko so yeah he he definitely has been here and that what oh, Donnie Darko was like I think 2001 so yeah it's really cool to see that he's actually been doing this for a while and earned I think I think he not that we have a a big podcast but he, he's earned the right to do a best and worst of because he's really hustled man in these 17 years he's put out so much content he's a content machine he definitely knows the name of the game is content and he 
produces so much content and he's got 20 writing credits 22 producer credits he's directed five different things he's got three soundtrack credits which just cracked me up but he's done so much i just when we started putting this list together because when we were talking about like i don't want to talk about the podcast i was like yeah let's do it best or worst of seth rogan i just still can't believe how much he's done and for a guy that bothers me so much sometimes because i i the thing i think bothers me so much is like he's funny but he loves to do like nails on a chalkboard comedy that just gets under your skin yeah he definitely has a, a really uh, distinct brand of comedy and it's very him and it, it's it's gonna be it's it's hard to like it if you uh if you do find it annoying because he kind of just reuses it and reuses it not that i i, I don't think there's anything wrong with having like your like your template and your your trademarks but it is hard if you don't like him i thankfully find him very attractive and i find him hilarious and i love his voice so i'm always here for everything so getting to kind of do a reflection on him i'm glad to see that he's as big as he is because i definitely think he's has earned it and definitely deserves this hey you want to get off his jock for like two seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we could let, you know, we'll start with your best then since I've talked about and praised him enough. We, You could talk about him a little bit now. I, it's funny because I was putting this list together. The one character that I enjoy of him just being a pure character is Dirty Randy from the League. I, I think that character and what they did with the League and how they incorporated him and how they killed him off and, and their one offshoot episode is one of the most brilliant television moments that i've come to witness of chicanery of chaos of comedy and and that's what dirty randy encompasses is just chaos of comedy and i love that character yeah i really like the league i thought it was a great like a great show i think it started faltering off later seasons but that one episode with just him and i always forget what the other guy's Raffy? name is that yeah Rafi. i got it Raffi, uh, just their whole solo episode was so genius, and it was like filmed different, and it just had a whole different vibe. Such an awesome moment! Yeah, I definitely think he he's a good number one pick for you because that is such a distinct character, and they gave him a really cool arc, and he wasn't just like a one off thing. He he was really kind of built over time in the show. Yeah, because it first started out, I think they like made a porno, and I forgot whose house they made a porno in, but that was kind of funny because it was all dirty couch jokes and all that fun stuff. Uh, the league was brilliant for its time, and then it kind of just faded off, and that was kind of sad. It was one of those shows that she did just been like four or five seasons, whatever it was. I mean, it just uh, it became a it became a joke of itself at the end. That's sad. I'm going on a tangent. What do you, what do you have on your good list? Oh well, my number one is this: the end. I love the film. I love that he directed the film. Uh, him and Evan Goldberg did because they usually direct together. But I love his performance in it. I really love him and uh, Jay Burchell's kind of relationship they had and kind of to see them like it, it was so real to see that friend that like you're distancing self yourself with. I thought it was really cool. And I think that was well written and well handled. And I think he was a really cool centerpiece of the film. I know Danny McBride and James Franco kind of stole the show and even Craig, uh, Craig Robinson. But Seth Rogen really made This is the End for me. And I really liked him in that film. And he gave me that Backstreet Boys cameo at the end. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love, I love that film. I think that's really my number one choice for him: directing, acting, producing, writing. Just my number one choice of that one. So we're going downhill. I feel like we're going in the reverse order of how we should have went for this. 
for this list. We we just climaxed right in the beginning. Yeah, but then we can go right back down to the worst and then really bury him hard later on. So we can balance that out nicely. I really I'm a huge fan of Jay Baruchel. I, I I like that guy a lot. I I'll go see anything that he's ever been in, including when he's hanging out in Disney flicks, being the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Thought that was awesome. Uh, yeah, trust me, I've sat through how I uh, how to train your dragon just because I like his voice so much. I'm not even a really big fan of him, but I think he has an adorable voice, and he he's another one like Seth Rogen that I think his voice acting is so strong, and I I would like to see it more. And you probably will, because once you get into Hollywood, they kind of just keep recycling all the same stuff. Uh, on my bad list, I I would this was in the peak. I don't know if this is the peak or like the arc. I think this is the, this is the film that broke broke my Seth Rogen. I because I I was kind of liking him and he was making some cool stuff. He's an he's a nerdy guy. He's a geeky guy. He's somebody you can get behind in the pop culture community. And then he made Observe and Report, and there is nothing more painful than this film. And that kind of killed it for me for Seth Rogen after that. You know, I don't think it's as bad as uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop, which is probably, I think, the lowest of the low. Because I do think Observe and Report is actually But I'm a not a Michael James fan. Uh, uh, Kevin James. <laughs> Kevin James, Michael James, Michael Jackson, don't care. The fat guy <laughs> that replaced Chris Farley, and he sucks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of any, but I, I am a fan of Seth Rogen, and I got to like, I think if you really look at Observe and Report, it is a, it's a darker movie than what it actually kind of sold off to be, so I think it's it's one of those things, it's a, it's a hard viewing, it reminds me of uh, Funny People that's really not that funny because it's really messed up, which is another Seth Rogen movie as well, he's in that, but uh, yeah, Observe and Report, it's a bad movie, and I, I'm trying to justify it, but no, no, it's it's still a big pile of shit. What what big pile of shit do you have on your list? I really don't know. I, I think Knocked Up is probably one of like like my least favorites from him just because I I hate Kraythen Heigl. I really, really did not like her character and I don't think seeing her kind of share fifty percent of that movie was really easy for me to swallow because then even with him in it, he was kind of intolerable. I think this was early Seth Rogen. I don't think he really kind of got his shtick and his gimmick yet together because I think he's grown into be a great character. And when he's playing Seth Rogen or a Seth Rogen-like character, it's great. But I think Knocked Up really kind of wasn't kind of really didn't wasn't really what I wanted from him. Knocked Up, I saw people were telling me to go see that or watch it before we had our kid. And my wife and I, we watched it and we're going to like, this movie is so bad. Why do people like this film? We talked about it, you and I, that the characters are just horrible people. They're just not, yeah. it's not too, I mean, it's a decent film, but Catherine Heigl's character is horrible. Seth Rogen's character is horrible. And just the story arc, they don't really, they don't ever like evolve. They just kind of like, just deal with the situation. Yeah, there there is no character arc. They just kind of plateau at being shitty people and just kind of accept being shitty people. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's what you're going for, but makes for a shitty film. Yeah, I really, uh, it, like, it isn't, it's, and it's a really cool, awesome, I don't want to say debut for Judd Apatow, but that really put him to the mainstream, I think. So I really, I really appreciate what it was, but I really don't like the characters. And I, and I really hate saying I don't like, him because there was funny moments like when the cops are coming and he throws the bong out of the window you know there was times where i'm like i can see it but i think looking back on his career now that's kind of like 
early Seth Rogen that needed to work out, which is so funny because I love early, early Seth Rogen and Freaks and Geeks, one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite performances from him. So it's funny that early TV is good, early movies, not so much. When I got Netflix, I tried to start watching Freaks and Geeks because I was I didn't watch it because I was I don't know I think I was like twenty four twenty five I mean it was more in your wheelhouse of what was going on in the in the real world of high school of the late nineties early two thousands when did the thing come out ninety nine two thousand yeah it was definitely like a like a late nineties kind of project and yeah and I you kind of definitely missed the 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 point of it but I still think it's a solid show and there's some really great characters and there's some great actors that ended up. Look at like some of the names like James Franco, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, what's his name from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, the big guy. Oh yeah, that that guy. We can make yeah. a list of that guy. He's done some good stuff now, but early I oh my god, I can't believe we brought that guy up because that guy just bothers me because he got to be in the Muppets, and I was like, this guy does not. Jason Segel does not deserve to Jason Segel. <laughs> yeah, he definitely – I, I enjoyed his passion for the Muppets and why he wanted to bring it back. But I was like, you you get the Muppets out of everyone who could have got it, you. So, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely that's what I appreciate about Freaks and Geeks to see, like, all these actors and even Linda Cardellini kind of start from there. So, yeah, there's some really cool people that come from it. And Seth Rogen, I really think, kind of shined in that a lot and then – kind of went through the 40-year-old virgin where he was a dick and then kind of stayed in that kind of mode until he kind of shifted. I can't remember when was the moment I really liked him. Maybe Superbad or Pineapple Express. I think Pineapple Express was the time where I think Seth Rogen really owned and kind of got really awesome. Pineapple Express is, is was a very interesting viewing for me because it came out the same time as Tropic Thunder. I think Tropic Thunder came out I don't know, a week or two earlier. And so I went and saw Tropic Thunder, laughed my ass off, went and saw Pineapple Express, and was like, this is not for me. It, it was one of those, like, I, I, I'm, a tro- I'm a Tropic Thunder com- com- comedy. I like that comedy. And then we hit the Pineapple Express. I was like, what the F is going on with this movie? And everybody's dying laughing. And I was like, I am not a stoner. I don't get these things. And See, that's so funny because I did not get Tropic Thunder. I I could probably say I laughed one or two times maybe with some of like the Tom Cruise scene and like one Robert Downey Jr. joke, you know, my dislike of Robert Downey Jr. But Pineapple Express, I thought was hilarious. Maybe it is because I'm a wee bit of a fan of the uh, the herb. So I kind of appreciated what they did for it. And I thought it was a that was an interesting film and what they did for Stoner Comedy, what Cheech and Chong did to what Pineapple Express did, they really did evolve that genre very well so i appreciate it for that and that's probably really about it though oh with Pine- you're done with pineapple express you're, you're done yeah because you know there's other people who kind of steal that movie like rosie perez is in pineapple express and is hilarious like they did really good with side characters uh and then right after was zach and mary make a porno so i think that's why i kind of throw pineapple express because i like zach and mary a little bit more that's on my good list. I am a huge fan of Kevin Smith, and I will go support him whenever he makes things, even though he's making some weird shit right now. But Zach and Marie make a porno was kind of like the last of the Kevin Smith genre films that he produced. Now he's making these like horror trope films. Hey, 
I will take Yoga Hooser, Tusk, Moose Jaws, way before Jersey Girl, and that one cop movie he did. So let him. Well, do he these didn't weird... write. He didn't write Cop Out. Yeah, but it was a cop out. Like he still directed it and put his name on it. He still gets some kind of blame for it. Well, he so... blames the studio because he wanted to call it Two Dicks, and the studio's like, "No, you can't call it Two Dicks." No, yeah, and I, yeah, I still. I, I still have to fault him for it. I, I I hate to say it, but it's still as much as I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan and I like him. That's why I like Zach and Mary make a porno. But I also think that movie was really awesome for like making raunchy movies kind of fun again. And that was I think right around the time The Hangover was coming out. And I think that was like a of the upbringing of like those like R-rated adult movies, like Forgetting Sarah Marshall as well. So yeah, I like that time of uh, comedy, and I kind of miss that because we've been faltering off with comedy a little bit lately. You know, what's funny is uh, Bill Simmons interviewed Danny McBride a few days ago, a few episodes ago on his show, and that's what he was talking about is that we were, all the raunchy comedies were these teen comedies in the 90s, and then they started making, like, raunchy adult comedies, and that's why he has Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals now, and the evolution of the comedy cycle, and you're talking about it right in that point in time. You're talking about The Hangover Zach and Marie make a porno didn't make any money, but like that, there's like the raunchy adult comedies have started to make the turnaround, and then you get bridesmaids, you get the other things coming along with that. I, I wonder what's going to come next with the with the R-rated comedies. I will say to kind of talk about Sausage Party real quick and Dana McBride, he reuses a joke that he did in This Is the End that made me laugh. He talks about that whole. Uh, I remember when he goes on the rant about jizzing all over the place in the house. He yes. does that again in uh, Sausage Party, and it's just so funny. I, I really like that actor, and I really kind of wish he gets more lead animated voice roles because I think he has a great voice for these things. And actually kind of now thinking about it, I think he would have done really well as the lead actor instead of Seth Rogen in Sausage Party. He's another one. Like I really like Danny McBride, and he's done some really good stuff. I'm struggling to get through Vice Principles because it's so awkward. It's so under-your-skin comedy where he is just... You you just watch this horrible person continue to do horrible things, and you're like, why is he doing... Where is the joke coming in? And, like, he is the joke. Like, that's the point. And I'm just like... I watch it, and I'm, like, waiting to laugh, and there are some really good, funny... I don't know. There's really good moments, and there's some really good acting in there. I really like his co-star Walter Goggins in Vice Principals because he was also in FX's show Justified. Oh, not yeah, yeah. I I feel like I saw the face and I could never like really place it where he was. So I, yeah, I guess it is Justified, and I probably that would sell me because I'm not a really big Eastbound and Down fan. I really feel like I don't get it. It's not my kind of humor. So I, I've, I've been wanting to try the new one just because I think it might fit me a little bit more. Goggins is an amazing actor. I feel like he's more of a Shakespearean actor. He's one of these guys that just goes on a, an acting rants where they just kind of talk and everything just kind of flows. And you're like, I'm going to listen to this guy talk for an hour because I enjoy listening to what he says. And he has the same inflections to his voice and everything. He's just, just an encompassing, entertaining actor, and he's fun to watch. And you can see him go on these rants in Vice Principles. You can justify it. It's just a phenomenal show. And we're going – we're way off our – our base here but yeah the, but we're going back to like observe and report we're going back to uh, seth rogan and how he gets under your skin with his acting and that's kind of what i don't like the most but you he's your generation he's not my generation 
Yeah, I definitely think he does kind of fit my generation of humor. And I don't particularly, like I said, I don't love everything he's done because I, I think, like, I kind of agree with you earlier. He's a great supporting character, far better than a lead actor. Or I think he works really well as a tandem, like him and James Franco when it's just like a movie with them two together. Kind of awesome. And I think that's what he's doing in the future now. I think his next two projects are James Franco-directed movies because I know James Franco is doing a movie about The Room you know the really bad movie the room and i can't wait to see it because i know seth rogan's in it can't wait to see who he's playing so I, yeah I, I i like seth rogan i want to see what else he can do but i will say i hope he evolves comedy wise because looking at comedians before him it doesn't last forever unless you evolve no definitely i i agree with you on that and like one of the bad films on my list is green hornet and that's where he tried to evolve into a skinny guy and they're skinnier guy and i they made an abomination of a character i really liked and that that's all i really want to say about green hornet because it was like seth rogan's like i'm gonna get in shape i'm gonna be a hero and he's like i'm gonna make a shitty movie and it's done and we're over and now i'm fat again like it was a very blip a small blip on the radar of the in shape seth rogan yeah, he should listen to the Kevin Smith mentality of why that's why Kevin Smith does not direct feature superhero films because he's not the type of director to do that. He works well in The Flash and everything like that, but he said it before. He can't make a movie of Batman and Robin smoking a joint on the Batmobile, and I think that's what Seth Rogen kind of did with The, uh, the Green Hornet was make a Seth Rogen movie, and you kind of have to adapt and grow to the character and not try to make it so much about you if you are so far off from it. And I think that's what happened there. And yeah, I I really, I really ugh, don't like that movie. I kind of always forget it exists because I feel like there's another movie. Oh, the Green Lantern that came out. And then I'm always like, that's the shittier one. But no, Greenhorn is just as shitty. <laughs> but what I do like about Seth Rogen is his voice acting. And, and one of my favorite films of his is Paul with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and an alien that is voiced by Seth Rogen. And they go to Comic-Con and it's just... As nerdy as you want it to be, and and I just I, I liked him as like the crazy alien with his voice, and then he did Bob the Blob afterwards or before, but like it's the same, it's almost the same exact character except one's R rated and one's like PG rated or G rated for animated films. But I I really like his voice acting. Yeah, I really love his voice acting in Paul. Paul's a cool movie. I'm an American Dad fan, so I kind of felt like he was a ripoff of Roger from American Dad. So it's kind of a little bitter about Paul for a while with that. But I do think it's a fun movie. It was smart. And once again, I kind of think he works well when he's not in full control because that is a Simon Pegg, Nick Frost film through and through. It's awesome. And I feel that he worked really well with them. And maybe he should kind of start working kind of out of his circle more because he does like to stay with his little crew and they all work together and maybe he does need to do more films like paul that are completely out of his whole like niche of people but then what are are all the canadians gonna do i mean like it's it's like canadian like little groupies yeah but james franco can just keep them all in his like beautiful house that he had and this is the end kind of thing like even though he's not canadian he's like harboring all the canadian actors and like using them maybe that's his biggest art project is just using canada (laughs) i'm trying to think of who i'd like to see seth rogan kind of pair with like what comedian what actor i mean because i saw billy crystal and he did his thing comedians with 
the guy from Frost or Frozen. Well, there's people like I didn't expect Seth Rogen to do a movie with Barbara Streisand. Great oh, casting. Oh yeah. <laughs> great casting for his mom. You know, the, the two really like infamous Jewish kind of can, uh, characters, but not a great movie, I think. And it's just it's really funny to see him kind of once again go out and do this like not I don't want to say rom com, but that like family like bonding movie. It's it's really cutesy, but definitely kind of not out. Yeah, maybe he would do well under like a Edgar Wright. Uh, I think that kind of fits his kind of weird, dark humor that he can have at times. Because uh, I do appreciate that uh, he did not direct Sausage Party. And it was definitely some other – I think one of them it was his first feature. So, yeah, he, he's starting to move out of it, and I, I, yeah, he definitely needs to work with more people. Because he, you can see him trying to expand because he, he was Steve Wozniak in the Steve Jobs film. He's had some more serious roles that he's tried to kind of – fill in with all the comedy that's going on the neighbors i i still can't i i know people love that film my wife and i we couldn't even make it through like 15 20 minutes of it and then we turned it off like this movie is just bad no i saw the sequel and sat through it because it's like just a bunch of frat boys and seth rogan so he kind of sold me there but definitely not a great movie and yeah i think that's kind of one of like it, it fits we were just talking about it it fits this era of comedy where these r-rated raunchy quote unquote raunchy comedies aren't just doing it anymore and that's what i really do appreciate at sausage party because i think they used it to the best of their ability what you're telling me is when he does half seth rogan is where the films kind of falter but when he goes full seth rogan is when they're successful in what they're trying to do yeah i think so for sure and i i know you probably don't like going full seth rogan but i don't need just the tip of seth rogan i need all the way seth rogan just because i think that's what he does the best yes i know that was a really forced really dirty joke there but it just it just had to come out it's the seth rogan in us we're just it's the this yeah. is our raunchiest episode to date so far Sausage Party, Sausage Fest, whatever you want to call it, brings out the worst in us for a good reason. Yeah, and I, I think I think it's sh- I think it's fun to be raunchy sometimes, and I think that's what I really enjoyed about it, and enjoyed about some of these. Uh, hopefully, some of the new era of what we can do with raunchy movies in the future. With let's make it fun again and make adult humor, adult humor fun, as opposed to sometimes it gets a little boring and i i want to see it change and i hopefully we can get a change after sausage party that we're like damn they're doing it really good over there where why are we doing it pretty shitty over here what is your fine do you have a final rating yet on sausage party have you put that kind of together for your review yet i know you saw it late last night and it's early this morning yeah i i kind of want to give it an eight out of ten i really think like animation is a pure nine they got that dreamworks feeling it looks like a DreamWorks movie perfectly. So I, I really like that. And the story is very uh, Disney. So I really, really appreciate those aspects. So like story and animation, I definitely give high rankings. Really good characters. A little too heavy on stereotyping like the gays with the fruits. Uh-huh. Ah. I get it. So yeah, so yeah, there there was things. that. So I'll give it a good like 8 out of 10. A really fun movie. Really progressive and really raunchy. But there's still... There's still things that they could have done a little bit better. Hi, EJ. Thank you so much for your feedback on this film. And I'm going to have to go see it on Friday now to check it out. Because I want to see it like 
opening night and see how many kids are there because that's going to be the the little test, the little social experiment I'm going to do is is go to the theater and go see it and see how many parents take their little kids to go see this exciting animated film about food. It's going to be great. Yay! And then, bam! Life Not even that. Just destroyed. look for those adults that are uncomfortable because I think I think someone walked out of our screening because it does get really boundary pushing. And, yeah, so look for the kids to get shocked and look for those adults that are a little uptight thinking that it's going to be a light R and find out this is an, almost an NC-17. So, yeah, I, I hope you see it and I can't wait to hear your feedback. Hi, EJ. You have a good weekend. Thank you, my friend. You too. And hopefully you get to see Sausage Party and have a good Sausage Fest. Yay, Sausage Fest. Oh, my God. That should have been the name of the film. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, EJ, is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. All you Android users out there, listen to the show on Stitcher. Additionally, there's this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkey Sweating Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 87th episode of Monkey Sweating Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host. EJ Marino for putting up with me. He had to go see Sausage Fest. Or yeah, no. No, he had to go see Sausage Party. Jeff Shade is great of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spidey Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey Spidey Robots. Monkey Spidey Robots.